G'day, it's Peter, and welcome to Office Anywhere, a podcast about working and living on your terms, whether that's cutting code on the deck of a Balinese villa, crafting ad copy from a cafe in Portland, Oregon, or building websites from a home office in Melbourne, Australia. To learn more about Office Anywhere, just go to officeanywhere.co. Today we're chatting with Rob Rawson, the founder and CEO of Time Doctor and Staff.com. Rob's going to tell us what Time Doctor does and who it's for, but given his vast experience with building remote teams and helping other companies amplify their effectiveness of theirs, we're also going to talk a lot about helping people make the shift to remote work and to do it successfully. Time Doctor and Staff.com are software as a service businesses with seven-figure revenue and over 60% year-on-year growth. Combined, they have over 5,000 customers and 25,000 employees using their software, and they are completely remote, with over 85 people working full-time in 28 countries. So, Rob, thanks for joining us on the Office Anywhere podcast. Oh, it's great to chat with you. Now, before we begin, uh, your life started out in the medical profession, uh, but I know that you had an entrepreneurial itch from a very young age, and this carried right through your medical training. So perhaps you yeah. could tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey um, and how you made the leap from medicine into business. I had a really strong desire to succeed in business and to have a successful business. And even during medical school, I was starting different businesses. I took a year off to do a marketing consulting, which is completely unrelated to medicine, but <laughs> I got into it because I listened to all this stuff from Jay Abraham. I'm not sure if you heard of him, yes, but he's a marketing guru. So I learned all these marketing techniques and then I thought, well, I'm going to start a business helping other people with their marketing. So I did that and it wasn't really successful. The, the reason it wasn't successful is because I was more nerdy, more kind of introverted and I still am more introverted and so I didn't really want to do what it took in terms of selling my services so I had a problem actually going out there and selling you know hitting the phones talking to people so that constrained me for a while but then I was constantly trying a few things here and there and then I hit on internet businesses in general which are things that you could I found are things that I could do in the background without having to sell one to one so basically I had a, an affiliate marketing business and also some Google AdWords and AdSense and I was building that up on the side while actually I'd already finished my medical degree and I was working one week a month as a doctor and then I was doing this on the side and uh, so I built that up and and just went from there so actually ended up having a team in the Philippines that was working for me and and had a whole adventure uh, related to that that just sort of went went on this this adventure of business. (laughs) Sounds interesting. And tell me, were you... um your affiliate businesses in the early days, what sort of um, products were you promoting and how were you promoting them? Everything and anything. Yeah? It was literally like hundreds of products and some of them were small, some were bigger. We had web, I had a website for a satellite TV promotion. So um, in Australia, but I was promoting satellite TV in the United States and I literally got this guy from university to build a website for me because I didn't know how to build websites. Mm. Uh, he was a university student, uh, incidentally from, uh, he, he, was, he was from Cuba and uh, he'd come to Australia and he decided that 
that he'd do this on the side and I hired him for a few hours while he was at university in Australia mm-hmm. and he built a website on Satellite TV. He built the whole website pretty much. I told him the content, etc. This was in early days when it was easier to get websites to be SEO'd. So I got it at the top of the search engines. I, I built out the website. It wasn't an amazing website, but it was okay. And it was only dollars a month pretty quickly, just that one website. Your, so your, that was pretty not, amazing. Your, your audio just dropped, as you said, the dollar amount per month. How much was it making a month? Uh, it was making 10000 a month uh, wow. US dollars uh, wow. for a while. And how long ago yeah. is this we're talking? This would have been uh, quite a while, so 2003, something like that. Wow, that's amazing. And so what inevitably led to the winding down of those kinds of businesses and the start of the businesses that you own today? Well, those businesses didn't really have long-term value. So just generating affiliate revenue for another business, I didn't. I wasn't building a brand. Mm. I wasn't building a whole lot of value. So the websites that I was building were were just easy, cheap, not, not a lot of thought going into them. I, I put a certain amount of effort, but really the way the internet has, got, has gone and is still going is that the higher quality the content, the more people are going to your website, the more people are going to promote it, the more that you're going to be able to get onto Google, etc. So, So it wasn't high quality enough, but also even more importantly, it didn't have my own value, my own brand. So I'm just promoting other people as affiliate. When you do that, you're losing a lot of the traffic and and you're not really getting any long-term value. So that diminished over time. Those websites just naturally just died over time and didn't, and were not successful. Yeah, and I guess um, you know making good money is one thing, but it's, uh, it's nice to be able to make money out of something that uh, is proprietary in a way or at least has your, your personality stamped all over it and you can you know incrementally build personal equity. Uh, or brand equity. Yeah, well, that's that's time. another point as well, just the satisfaction because I also didn't feel a whole lot of satisfaction in what I was doing. I, I achieved certain financial goals. Like I said, I wanted to work wherever I was in the world and just have uh, at one point I wanted to get like a million-dollar revenue uh, and, and profits, and I did do that. But then I, I wasn't satisfied. Like I was like, well, what am I doing this for? Yeah. So I wasn't really happy about it. Um, and also there was no long-term, there wasn't something that I was really building that I, I really enjoyed. So that was lack of satisfaction too. Yeah, yeah. It's so true, isn't it? I've had this kind of conversation many times over the years about that um, fable of the fisherman, whether it's a true story or not, I don't know. But, I mean, the Cliff Notes version is that, you know, a fisherman in a village is living a very simple life and he fishes during the morning and then he sits around the canteen in the afternoon, he drinks, he plays checkers with his mates and then he hangs out with his family in the afternoon and uh, someone stumbles upon him and uh, from the US and tells him that his business could be huge if he did this and he did that and and he asks, well, why? Well, so you can make more money. Yeah, well, why would I need that? Well, then so you can grow the fleet and build an international brand. But what would I want to do that for? So then you, know, you can eventually make enough money to sell the company and then you can you know, relax and do whatever you want. He says, well, I'm doing that now. <laughs> you well, that, that's <laughs> true. That's true. But I, I also think that I, I have realized that what I do want to do is build businesses, that, that actually that is part of it. And, and my mission, I do have a mission now, which is 
to build my business and to give the money away to charity. So it's like a really oh, yeah. um, core mission that drives me. And it's multifaceted. It's not just giving the money to charity. It's it's me for my own lifestyle, for my family. It's for my employees. It's for the product that I'm building. But it's it's a core part of it for me personally is actually being able to give money away to charity. Mm-hmm. Um, that And, and uh, I'm, I'm into something called effective altruism, which is doing the maximum good with the money that you give away by analyzing the charity is very effectively um Mm. so that's a core motivation for me so although i i kind of identify with the story you can be happy doing whatever you want Mm. but you can also be very happy building a business which is what i oh i totally what i enjoy i totally agree rob and um yeah and building a, a business for for many entrepreneurs is uh is the is a means to no i'm wording this wrong there's not a means to an end but Building the business is the game itself. It's, it's the outcome itself. It's a bit like uh, the fallacy of simply shooting for a goal and doing stuff that you hate for three years to get to that goal because the pleasure from the goal is fleeting or the achievement of the goal is very fleeting. But if the process that you're implementing to reach that outcome is something which has purpose and vision and it has something which is meaningful and matters to you, well, then the whole, the whole journey of building the business is the end game in itself. That is the pleasure itself which is why for many yeah. entrepreneurs it's so hard to separate work from play because they are effectively the same thing. And yeah. when you weave in the, uh, the goals that, that you have and the vision that you have into the process of building a business, well, then it almost becomes incumbent on you to be as successful in building those businesses as possible because uh, the beneficiaries of it are, are you know, way outside your personal you know, sphere of influence. It's not just your family that benefits. It's a... Uh, it's a whole range of people that benefit. So you, you want to be as yeah. successful at it as possible. So tell yeah. us then if we could um, talk a bit more then about Time Doctor and, and what that's for. What's Time Doctor? It's a time tracking and productivity for remote teams. So we're actually doing extremely well right now because of the COVID crisis because a lot of people are going to work remotely. And basically it helps you to understand what your team are are doing where they're spending their time and what time they're, they're starting, what time they're finishing work, things like this. So there's a bunch of people that are not familiar with remote work. They want to have some level of structure around the remote work. So they want to know the – and they want to make sure that they're productive personally and as a team. So that's that's the reason for uh, using the software. And what are some of the ways that uh, that you're finding new customers now, especially with COVID-19, how they're using it? We're really focused on publicity, which is a, has been working very well. But also we did a lot of SEO and content around the whole idea of working remotely. So we were actually really well positioned uh, because we already had that content. And we also have this community which is called running remote which is actually running an event uh, which is a yearly uh, seminar which is a conference on how to work remotely and has some of the best experts in the world so that's actually a separate thing Uh, we don't promote time doctor in there but uh, it's it's actually the leader uh, my co-founder is is part of that and it sort of comes back to us as well with time doctor so we don't do it so much to make money we actually have it as a conference that does make some money mm. but it's a, it's basically a, a community so the running is like a community of people trying to teach each other about remote work so with running remote how has that impacted now by covid-19 are you still 
planning another event or has that been put on hold for now? We had an event in April that was planned for Austin, but then we changed it. So we're trying to do it in September. I don't know what's going to happen with that because if things are still really bad, we, we may not be able to have it. Uh, but in Austin in the US, we actually had the first two events were in Bali. So it was a fantastic location, mm. people coming from around the world and they're connecting about remote work. But now we're really uh, looking at more of the market being in North America. So we actually moved it to Austin. So what we're doing instead in April is we have a free remote aid event where we've got really the top names in remote work. We've got uh, one of the guys from Basecamp. We've got people from these, these companies that are very successful like um, Zapier. They're, they're multi-million dollar companies. And it's, it's really fascinating now because there are very successful big companies, even billion-dollar companies now that are completely remote. So people are forced on it because of the COVID-19, but it has already been a movement. It's been a movement more in the background and more just for tech, but I think now it's going to become more of a widespread movement uh, for just even even once things settle down and people are able to go back into an office, I think that a large percentage of people are going to say, well, hang on. Do I really want to go back? Mm. And not only that, a lot of employers are going to say, do we really need them to come back? Do we really need this big office anymore? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think um, think you're right. Once people have had a taste of this, I know it's going to be very difficult for some. Uh, Certainly there are going to be people who need to get away from the house in order to um, have a more balanced life. They need to be around people. Um, Yeah. Certainly people who live alone might miss that interaction and i know that there are also people who are in households that um have a lot of tension you know even domestic violence and and they're under enormous pressure now because they're forced to remain 24 7 with the people who are you know uh making their lives untenable but others certainly others are going to um hope and pray that they don't have to return to the beige cubicle with the fluorescent lighting because for them and for you and for me and many others, I know this this is a life that uh, you would not want to abandon to go back yeah. to a concrete tower somewhere, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and my experience is most people that start doing remote work, only a small percentage really want to go back. So it does depend on the person for sure. Mm. Um, if you're in a situation where you have to travel like an hour to each way to go to work and it makes no sense much better to work from home if you're in a really great situation where you're like a 15 minutes walk and it's a beautiful walk and that's that's kind of different it's nice like i actually like that personally i like i like going on a 15 minutes walk mm. um, but i also like having a remote lifestyle just from a productivity point of view because i know that i can't be disturbed i can't have someone bumping into me going hey you got a minute for this got a minute for that mm. and so i can be really intentional about how i run my business and who i'm meeting with yeah i totally agree it's very hard to do any deep work in an office environment especially an open plan office environment it's almost impossible and a lot of people say that they get their best best work done you know eight o'clock at night which is absurd. Mm. They shouldn't have mm. to resort to that. So you have a substantial remote workforce at Time Doctor. So was that an intentional decision from the outset or you know, what, what spawned the other? 
Not really, because I actually had an office in the Philippines. So I moved to the Philippines and I did that because I was trying to get lower cost, more affordable um, team. And I had a fairly large team at one point, up to 40 people, all in one office in the Philippines. Uh, but then my business there started to, to collapse and wasn't doing as well. So it was doing really great for a few years and then all of the affiliate staff and the Google AdSense, I was doing Google AdSense arbitrage and that started to collapse. So the office started to look expensive at that point and also I didn't really want to come back to the Philippines. I, I didn't like the idea that I had to always come back and constantly, you know, just drawn back to the office because it was there. So I wanted to travel I wanted to get moving out of the Philippines and just travel around. So so I decided that I would shut down the office and uh, and then I had everyone working from home and that's why I created my own software to try and sort of keep and, uh, and make sure that I know what time people are working, etc. So that's how I created it in the beginning and then I started selling it to other people. Um, but it wasn't really an intention to go remote. It was firstly going in the Philippines, then getting everyone going from home. It's just the mindset, really. I think my mindset was just business equals an office. Mm-hmm. And then even then after that, I, once I was going remote, my, my mindset was business equals, well, now it's remote, but they're, they're, in, they're in the Philippines. So I'm hiring in the Philippines. But once you're going remote, then why are you hiring just in the Philippines? You can hire on the entire planet. Like it, you don't have to go just the Philippines. And the talent pool is much greater if you go to every country in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got a much bigger availability of talent, which to me is the biggest benefit of remote for business leaders, is that you once you're taking that step where you are working remotely, then you can go to another city in your country. There's no, you know, there's no difference really. Like they're still just talking over the phone. And then once you've taken that step, then you can go to another country. And that that expansion of your mindset and expansion of your talent pool is where the real benefit lies. There's a certain benefit and drawbacks to working remotely from home. Um, but when you start adding in all these other benefits of working uh, throughout the whole country, having a bigger availability of talent, uh, it's it's the benefits are very large. Mm. So let's talk about some of those drawbacks for both employees and for an employer. What are some of the downsides that you see or that you've experienced with having a remote team? Are there any? Are there any that are demonstrable? I think it, there there are downsides, and and the most difficult downside is the very fact that we are human beings. We're trying to connect in person and so being remote is not a natural thing for us so you actually have people that especially if they don't have a family they work from home by themselves that can be destructive for their personality it's not not healthy psychology to work from home all day by yourself and not have anyone around and then not go out that much at night that's very very unhealthy psychologically um so i think that that's a big problem if that happens but i don't feel like it's i feel like it's a minority like less than 10 percent of people Uh, it's often the more nerdy people who get into that that they're just really introverted they kind of enjoy being introverted they enjoy working by themselves but there gets a certain point where they're so isolated that they're unhappy and they're depressed so that's the the number one worst thing to work look out for in in remote work that and uh you have to find solutions for that um the other 
other things is just the communication styles, and uh, but you can work around that with with all of the uh, communication technology that we have. Like that's definitely solvable. Uh, you have to communicate in a different way. You have to be more structured about having meetings at certain times. You should have daily meetings. You should have weekly meetings that are that are structured about what you're talking about. You know, you have the agendas, etc. You actually should do that in any business, really. Mm-hmm. But you can get away with it more if you're in the same office because you bump into each other, and you can have this really unstructured way of working where you just you just you know you you meet each other, especially for small businesses. The small businesses can, can just have no structure, just just hang out together and then chat, and it all happens. And that doesn't work remotely because you just don't naturally chat as much. So you don't naturally find out what's going on. You don't naturally have that structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all. That all makes a lot of sense. I've heard from others that uh, some companies who have not um, experienced remote work on mass like they are now have insisted that their employees, you know, have something like Skype open all day and show themselves as available all day, or even have Zoom running all day, so that they can all see yeah. each other like they would in a traditional office setting. Um, I'm interested to know what your thoughts are on that and how that. I, I have never tried it. Um, myself and um, I, I think that people don't tend to like it because they they do once they've been doing it for a while they like the flexibility of not having um, women you know they they want to have the makeup on etc often or people just want to have maybe in certain cultures the person might be walking behind naked um, which is a really big no no uh, you know. There's, there's different problems with that, uh, with having the, the camera on. Mm. Um, I, I do think there's certain advantages, like you get to feel like you're in the office, you get to feel like you're all there. And so there's there's some there's some feeling of that. But um, uh, I, I don't think it's necessary. Um, I don't think you... I think that the working remotely is a combination of of trust as well as having your own metrics that you're monitoring i mean our software is actually providing some of that kind of structure as well um that where you you've got the structure in the software so you don't you won't you don't have this feeling like you need to see each other all of the time um i I would be interested to see how it works for them i know there was a software uh, a while ago which was kind of similar to that where you had kind of like a zoom panel and you could basically click on anyone to talk to them and you kind of you didn't actually see or hear the noises but you you could click on them and you could just immediately talk to them almost like you're in an office sort of like that and there's another one which is similar-ish which is called Sokoko which is is like where you have a an, a literally a picture of the office and you have people in rooms and you can kind of go into their room and then you start talking to them in their room. So it's like virtual uh, representation of the office. So there's all of these different ways of configuring it. But I think you you when even if you're in the same office and you're, you're sitting next to each other, you don't really know what the next person is doing anyway. So mm. just seeing the person there doesn't tell you that they're working, right? No, that's right. The so, person I mean, in the opposite cubicle. It just tells them. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, it tells them that they're in front. I, I think that there is though a big need for for bosses. Like they do feel like the work slacks off massively when they go when they start working from home, and I think that that can happen. So I I think that um, if you have a, a workforce where everyone is motivated to the 
you know, absolutely, they they have an incredible level of motivation. You've selected the right people in the beginning that are going to be really motivated. Then you don't need anything like that. Everyone just works on their own and they just work together fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and usually that's also with very high salary people as well. Mm. So you're talking about a hundred thousand plus salaries. Everyone's on a hundred thousand plus salaries. Everyone is. This is this is how the top work remote work uh, remote work companies operate. Like for example, the GitHub, the GitLab. These are billion dollar companies. Um, also WordPress and um, Zapier. So the, these are really big companies. Um, but I don't know that all companies are going to operate that way remotely uh, because it, it it does require that level of trust where they're just they're just completely trusting the person, which is good. But they also um, they also have to have some. It's just the culture and the and the feeling of the of the boss is like, well, I don't know if they're really working. And if you know the reality, they aren't really working a lot of the time. So, mm-hmm. so in a lot of cases, they can go and start working from home, and then they're literally working fifty percent as much of the time. But that is a motivation problem for that person. And that problem was probably there to some degree before when they're in the office. It's just even more pronounced now when they're not in the office. So it's it's um, it's not going to be solved 100% by these kind of uh, putting the camera on or by using our software. You have to solve it by multiple methods. You have to solve it from the motivation, the the tracking, what they're doing, look, looking at the outcomes um, that you're expecting from the person, all of these sort of standard management stuff, um, as well as as you may want to use our software or you might want to have some other way of having accountability, a little bit of accountability. But um, I think it depends on the culture of the business, basically. Mm. I guess it all starts from there, doesn't it? If the uh, If the... The C-level executives or the founders, the owners have a vision which is clearly communicated to the team and the team has bought into that vision and they believe in it and they want to be part of it and they know what they're there for and what their responsibilities are, then they certainly don't need much of a carrot or a whip, do they? It's uh, it's a case of we agree with them yeah. and we've bought into it, we want to be part of it, we, we know what the common outcomes are that we seek. Um you don't need to watch us. We, you know, we're in. We're all in, and we want to do it, and we want to help the yeah. business succeed. But I'm going to say that the majority of businesses don't operate that way. I like agree. The majority of businesses operate, and people just doing the job because they need the money, mm. and they and they they're not so like massively motivated that they're just going to work anyway if they don't have to. If they don't have to work, they'd probably just watch a bit. They're still going to do some of their work while mm. they're at home. Uh, um, I mean, another problem with with work from home is when you have young kids around. Like, if they, it is a problem right now with the COVID crisis because my experience is that having young kids, it's if you have to look after them. If you have someone else who's in the house that's looking after them, a hundred percent of the time, like I do, my my wife is working only part time and she's looking after the kids, so it's it's okay for me. But if I was in a situation where I had to look after my kids, forget about productivity. Mm. So this is this is more of a problem. And and when you have the COVID nineteen and you have the kids in, uh, in not in schools as well, like if the schools are shut down, yes, productivity is going to go out the window for sure. Like there's no question about that. Like you can work from home productively when the kids are not there. Mm. When the kids are there, there's just the productivity just is terrible. That's a really good point, and that would be a huge yeah. problem for a lot of people right now. We're extremely lucky. My wife and I both work from home. We have done forever just about. And she runs her business at one end of the house and I run mine at the other end of the house and upstairs here. 
Um, and we have uh, a, a nine-year-old son, Tommy, and fortunately he's incredibly nerdy um, and he spends all of his time teaching himself stuff on the computer. Right now he's mastering Blender. Uh, he's been using Adobe Animate CC um, and before that a simpler animation program. So he's he's teaching himself how to build animations and <laughs> seriously <laughs> – all we have to do is feed him. <laughs> He's just brilliant. Okay. But I tell you, if we had three of those, if we had three boys in the house, I reckon it would be impossible. I don't reckon either yeah. of us would get anything done. So we're just lucky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, tell me, I mean, you've covered off a lot of really important points here on uh, the remote work environment and how it impacts employers and employees. Um, but for all of the millions of people now who've been thrust into this situation for Goodness knows how long this could be the new normal for quite some time. For an employer, for an employee who's just been thrust into remote work, what are the key things you think they need to be cognizant of? What do they really need to be aware of in order to pull this off and and maybe have a crack at making this permanent for themselves if they enjoy it? Yeah, I think creating the structure around communication if it's not there in the company that's that's most important thing so having making sure you have a daily meeting making sure that you're using video communication not just audio video is really important to try and replicate some of that feeling of the connection and to get a better better level of communication but you need to use multiple communication channels like you need to have the video you need to have the chat as well um you also need to have some kind of visual recording of your screen where you can record a video on your screen, explain things, send that off to somebody. There's lots of tools that do that. I use Snagit or uh, use Loom as another one. So mm-hmm. these tools are essential. You've got to get into those tools, understand them, uh, figure out how to use them properly. And uh, the other thing is trying to, once it becomes a bit longer term, is to to get a little bit of the the kind of virtual drinks or um, virtual happy hour kind of going, that sort of sort of thing is really important as well to feel like you have the connection with your workmates. Um, that that's that's another thing that you should look at if you don't have that already. It, you can become a bit of a robot if you're completely virtual and you're not you're not having a personal interaction with your workmates. Yeah, I've heard a lot of stories about people uh, having uh, piss ups together remotely. There must be some funny videos out there now, for sure. Um, right. Is that one of your kids I could hear in the background? Yeah, it would be, yes. Yeah, I got the door shut, but... Um, no, that's yeah. all right. It, it just highlights the issues we've been talking about, so that's good. I hope it comes through in the audio. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me, um, how do you build... I'm sure you, nothing as much has changed in this sense, but how do you engage with and build relationships with your customers in a remote setting? I guess we're lucky in that we haven't had – my honest answer is that we haven't had to build really deep relationships because we have thousands of customers and they're just buying our software online. Now, what we're doing more of now is that we have the sales team that are there to develop the relationships, to have a call with them. There's a certain percentage of people – that are not willing to just buy online and the bigger companies need certain things sold for them. So it's really through the sales team is is the answer. Um, then in, in addition to that, we have after their sale is made, then we have a customer success team. So this is a standard terminology for software as a service businesses where they they have a customer success person, which is for the large clients. They go in there and they try to 
meet their needs, understand what's going on, be like a conduit for that uh, person, mm. uh, for that relationship. Actually, just on that note, uh, have you heard of a, a tool called Bonjoro? Yeah, I have heard of it, yeah. Yeah, I've been experimenting with that over the last couple of weeks. I'd heard about it a long time ago and I'd received a few Bonjoros from, from different people when I, uh, for onboarding when I signed up for their services or their products. And um, I think it's a brilliant little bit of software to be able to just pull up your phone, to have a feed that comes into your desktop and to your phone to show who has signed up or purchased your product and then to be able to pull up your phone or the webcam on your computer and just send them a quick, you know, 30-second message, say, hi, you know, it's Peter here from such and such. Thanks yeah. for signing up. Buying yeah, we, we have tried that out. I'm not sure if we're doing it that much at the moment, um, but we have tried that before where we send these video messages and the sales team do that. They send a video message to each person. Mm. Definitely more engaging than doing the, the normal uh, text messages. Yeah, I agree. A lot more human. And, you know, the less structured it looks, I think, the better as well because – if anything, this whole crisis is reinforcing the fact that, you know, we're all human beings having to deal with an unusual set of circumstances with all of the mess that that involves, whether it's, you know, kids in the house or it's, you know, struggling with motivation and structure and uh, uncertainty and all this sort of stuff. And uh, it's just highlighted the fact that we're all humans on this same little ball floating through space. Um, we're a speck in the universe and we've got to, yeah. we've got to work together and get along with each other. Yeah, that's a bit better, yeah. I guess. <laughs> um, so tell me, um, you mentioned a couple of the tools there, um, and they're excellent tools. What other tools do you use and rely on and recommend for businesses and employees uh, to work effectively? We have so many tools. It's a little bit ridiculous, actually. We have probably over 50 different software tools that we use. But uh, a lot of them are specific to certain needs uh, for our development team. We use Jira for uh, other project management. We've used Basecamp. So we use Basecamp. We like that. It's fairly low cost, uh, actually, and it's it's good for uh, combining different needs. We don't use all of the tools in Basecamp, but they have everything in there. They've got chat as well as other stuff. So also we use Slack. We've, we're... Uh, sometimes I feel like we use these tools just because everyone else uses them, but they they are good. I mean, I do like I do like Slack. I do like uh, Zoom. We use Zoom for for video chat, but we're not uh, uh, particular on using just one tool. So we actually could use Skype for the customer service. If they have somebody who wants to chat to them on Skype, then they'll chat on Skype instead of instead of Zoom. So we we use all kinds of different tools. For uh, design, we use Envision, which is uh, like a, a design design collaboration tool, uh, and the tools just go on and on. I mean, personally, I use Todoist for my to-do list, so we we use probably too many tools. Uh, we probably should standardize them uh, a bit more, but overall, a lot of them are very helpful. Um, and there's even like very niche things, like we have a tool for translating. You know, there's there's all sorts of little niches for these software tools that that uh, people have found. Yeah, how has the world changed? Eh? Now it's really become a case of there's an app for that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I started playing with the internet in 96 and it was a whole lot harder back then, that's for sure. A lot of stuff you had to build yourself like you did with Time Doctor. Yeah. All right, so tell me, where do you see remote work heading in the next year or so? We touched on this a little earlier. Well, it's in the really beginning. interesting. I, I, I don't know at this point what percentage of people are going to stay remote 
whatever way it is, it's a massive accelerator to this already uh, existing trend which was happening anyway. So I think it's just accelerating the existing trend. Now, not everyone's going to continue remote. There's going to be some kind of balance that people are going to find, but it's a, it's a massive acceleration and I think that you're going to find also more uh, knowledge about it, more training about it, more it's becoming mainstream versus the previously it was just more of a fringe thing. But just before the COVID, I, I felt like it was starting to become mainstream because you had people like Bill Gates. He said, this is the future. You have to go remote. So he's a major tech leader. Um, then you've also got other really prominent people uh, there's a guy called Jason Lemkin. You may not know him, but he's oh. the number one person in the SaaS software as a service space. And he also was going, you have to go remote. So all of these companies, and this is particularly starting in tech, because you'd have these companies that would be in Silicon Valley and they'd be trying to hire someone in Silicon Valley and they'd be they'd be struggling to hire someone at 200,000 US a year and they couldn't find anyone because the, the war for talent was so high. And so they would, out of necessity, just start working with people remotely. And those companies are doing well. And now that was a certain number of tech companies were doing that. Now it's every tech company that's going to start to do that. And even for Google and these big, big companies, they're in a centralized office. Everything's based around that office. Um, they're going to start to rethink that a bit. I mean, they already have lots of satellite offices, but they're going to start to rethink the whole structure of how their work is organized. That um, There are challenges around security as well for these very big companies, uh, but a lot of those challenges are more psychological than real. Mm-hmm. Right, because there could be a security problem if the person's in the office. There could Absolutely. be a security problem if the person's from home. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to have a laptop which is controlled by the 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 um, office. They have to have strict procedures where they say, for example, you can't use this um, computer for outside of work. So we're doing that now. We're we're making sure that our team, uh, who anyone has access to servers, etc., they're they're they have to. They're not allowed to use their laptop for personal. Mm. sort of stuff so there's these kind of security issues as well but the companies are going to have solutions for that and then a certain amount of them quite a large amount of them are going to move in that direction as as a and it becomes a core strength now that strength is because everyone's going to do it then the the competitive advantage of going remote is going to be lessened because everyone else is doing it as well but I can tell you that for us as a company, this is a massive competitive advantage. It has been up to now. The fact that we, we're remote and the fact that we can hire from anywhere, uh, that we're getting the best talent wherever we can. You know, We're a very profitable SaaS company. Most SaaS companies, they're borrowing money um, or they're raising money and they're not profitable. So we're only profitable because we're able to keep our costs down. We're able to be growing at, at a, in a way that we don't have to be investing so much money to pay really high salaries to try and grow further, et cetera. So, yeah. Mm, mm. Yeah, I think um, companies that have had time to reset their metrics around what makes them profitable and productive and effective um, will still have a competitive advantage for a long time because they've been able to continue to refine 
how they do things, whereas traditional bricks and mortar businesses who are having to migrate to this way of operating and who may find sufficient benefits to continue to operate this way into the future won't have that experience and won't uh, have the agility that businesses like you do um, to be able to continue to use this as an advantage. Um, So I think there will still be, for those who have the experience, uh, a lot of benefits um, compared to competitors to be able to remain um, yeah. leaders as you know remote businesses. yeah I think that's that's true one of the one of the issues with remote is if you have a mixed workforce remote in an office there's a different kind of culture and, and you can have a problem for example when somebody's in a meeting in the office and then five people jump in the meeting they go oh oh yeah um okay um Alex is over there we better better zoom him in as well but mm. then he's left out. So because he's on, he's on his computer and you're all in the, in the meeting room together, so he's not really part of the meeting. Mm. So what actually these fully remote companies will do, even if they have a meeting room, they won't go in the meeting room. They'll literally all go on Zoom or, or on whatever tool they're using to actually communicate individually on their laptop so that everyone's working on the same level. level so field. it's actually getting rid of the meeting room. That's really good. I like that. It's a bit like a parent shaving their head when their son's got leukemia so that they all feel the same. <laughs> no, I like that. That's a sure. good idea. makes a lot of sense. So tell me, Rob, I think we'll wrap this up soon, um, but tell me, what do you enjoy doing when you're not working, even though I know work and play are often the same thing? Um, but when you actually shut off from your computer and your phone, what sort of stuff are you doing? Well, I really love spending spending time with my kids, um, teaching them at the moment, but also just going to play with them and and having fun. I, I really love bushwalking, so mm, me too. I like to get out in the bush. It's very calming for your mind to go through, and I just love being in nature. So I really enjoy that skiing and um, exercising in general. Yeah, so those are some of my things I like doing. Mm, good stuff. Yeah, I've had a love of the bush ever since I was a two or three year old my dad's been taking me camping and exploring and i love it too it is very calming so let's wrap up with this if you could nominate one or two key principles that have made all the difference in your business or in your life in general what do you think they would be one is really maximizing the advantage when you have one so when i had this business that was doing the Google AdSense arbitrage, there were people that were making 5000 a month, there were people that were making 50000 a month, there were people making 500000 a month, wow. doing exactly the same thing, mm-hmm. exactly. And the only difference is the level of ambition, the level of drive, the level of action that they would take. So I think that the, what you've got to think in your mind when you're onto something, like it's hard to get onto something, you know, it doesn't happen that often in your life. Mm. When you see something that's working, you really got to run with it and just go like, that's what we're doing now in Time Doctor because we're onto something. We're really trying to maximize that advantage that we have right now. So that that's that's something that I really think it's, it's about the ambition as well. And it's about your drive. Like I have a list of goals. Um, some of these goals previously I thought, Oh, can I really achieve that? They're pretty ambitious goals. Like, you know, certain million plus profits, et cetera, like this, but now that's looking very achievable. Right. So it's, it's, it's when you set them, it's a, but having that in the back of your mind and having it there, it, it just drives you in a way that other people are not, 
they're not going to get that same result if they don't have that goal sitting there. Mm-hmm. Mm. Makes a lot of sense. So tell me, where can people find out more about you, Rob, and about Time Doctor? I would just go to timedoctor.com and you can use the Contact Us page or you can uh, go to runningremote.com uh, and check out our free event on in April um, or you know other events that we have for free or in, in Running Remote as well, which is all about how to run a remote business from these top leaders. Mm-hmm. That's in September now, isn't it? It's in September, but there's a free online event in April. Oh, okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Well, I reckon that'll just about do it. Rob, what do you reckon? All right. Great. And that's a wrap. I have to say I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with Rob. His uh, quiet, unassuming, but clearly very intelligent demeanor is something that appeals to me a great deal. Um, I have to apologize for some of the audio quality in this recording. It was quite scratchy in the beginning there with Rob. As you may have noticed, it was quite a bit of distortion, which is very difficult to fix in post-production, especially when you're about uh, as useless with audio post-production as I am, but we did manage to fix some of it towards the end. Anyway, um, if you want to learn more about Rob, just go to the show notes for this episode, which you'll find at officeanywhere.co slash 103. And just a reminder, uh, as we're closing out the end of April, if you haven't already had a look and you want to be more effective as a remote worker and actually probably more to the point, explore the opportunities that this current environment creates for all of us to be able to expand what we do and how we do it and how we earn revenue um, and how to pursue something like a side hustle, for example, now that we have extra free time in our hands and more importantly, I think, greater autonomy over how we work. Um, This is a long-winded introduction and a way of saying, go and check out the Remote Work Academy course, which launches towards the end of this month. You'll find details on the course at officeanywhere.co slash RWA, and you can sign up for the course for 60% off the launch price if you do it before the course goes live. So go and check that out, officeanywhere.co slash RWA. And if you don't already have a free copy of the Work Anywhere trial guide, then you can get that. Uh, pretty much from any page on the Office Anywhere website, but you'll see it down the bottom of the homepage there. So anyway, uh, I've enjoyed having you around listening in on my chat with Rob Rawson from uh, Time Doctor and Staff.com. Feel free to reach out to me anytime at uh, peter at officeanywhere.co. And until we chat again next time, here's to working and living on your terms. I'll catch you then. See ya.